Hello, my friends. Eric Feltis here, life coach, speaker, actor, and host of The Great Unbecoming. This is a show about stories of unlearning. What did you let go of in order to become the person you are today? And what did you gain and learn as well? This is a show about letting go of stories that no longer serve us and stepping into our own authenticity. It's about unbecoming what society says you should be and remembering who you are and who you are meant to be. So sit back, relax, and welcome to The Great Unbecoming. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Great Unbecoming. I'm so excited to introduce my guest, but before I do that, we have a couple of announcements, y'all. We have our very first Life Coaching by Feltis shame-free uh, retreat for GBTQ plus men, uh, September 21st to the 24th. Y'all, this is going to be amazing. It's at Camp Wrightwood in Wrightwood, California, and it's only $5.99. The price $5.99, the price $5.99 gets you all meals, eight meals, three nights stay, yoga, breath work, uh, so much fun stuff, campfires. It's going to be amazing. If you want any information on this retreat, if you are craving community with other gay, bi, trans, queer, people who identify as male, you are welcome in this space and we cannot wait to talk to you about it. So you can message me on Instagram, Eric Feltis. You can also email me, eric at lifecoachingbyfeltis.com and I would love to talk to you about that. Um, okay, I'm. you can hear I'm giddy because I'm super excited to introduce my guest, Danny Kortz. Y'all, Danny Kortz is, well, he currently serves as an organizational psychologist um, organizational psychology consultant. Danny first began their career leveraging storytelling, speaking about their personal experience with sexual orientation change efforts, of which Danny experienced as a youth in Washington State. Danny's work explores the concept of embracing resilience over reaction, which they used to help ban state-sanctioned sexual orientation efforts for minors in Washington State. Danny's story has been featured in various media outlets, including USA Today, Huffington Post, KNKX, The Seattle Times, and the 2020 Can Jury award-winning film, Unconverting. Danny now holds a Master's of Education, oh my gosh, so do I, uh, in both organizational behavior and adult education, and is a Newman Civic Fellow. And he's also my friend and... He is also a survivor of stalking. And today, if you listen to our trailer, you heard a little bit about this, but we're going to get into um, Danny's experience with a stalker and what that was like. Um, so Danny, uh, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for joining us. How are you feeling, my friend? So wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. It's good to see you live. Uh, that retreat sounds amazing. That price point is amazing. Can I just say, as a consultant, I love it. I want to go. Isn't it crazy? Well, you can yeah, come if you want. It's so good. I can't wait. Especially when you said the meals were included. I was like, oh. right? Eight meals plus everything else for $5.99. And y'all, if you go through our 10-week program, the price actually drops down to $3.49. If you're in my leadership program, the price is $1.99. So y'all, I'm not here to make money on this. I'm here to get good people together and uh, give us a place for us to be seen safe and celebrated as and because of who we are. And that's what we do here. Community builders like you, Danny. Talk about heart work and life's mm -hmm. work and purpose. Love it. Y'all, if you're joining us on YouTube right now, you already noticed that Danny and I are dressed. So like we're both in long sleeve black. This is not planned. Um, we just are always in sync. 
I mean, do you have these beads too? I took them oh, off. Oh, I don't have them on me, but I do have them. Um, <laughs> can we first, before we get into your story, um, can we first talk about how we know each other? Sure. sure. So my, my first thing, this is what I remember. Um, someone tagged me. So, you know, I'm on TikTok and Instagram and uh, someone tagged me in one of Danny's TikTok posts where he was talking about uh, conversion therapy. And he was talking about uh, his experience uh, in this documentary about conversion therapy and how it was just uh, um, included in the can festival and that he was going to go to the can festival, the video. So I think someone tagged me because they thought maybe, um, maybe I might be able to help him. I watched the video and I, there was a several things I thought, a, this is an extremely handsome person. Uh, B I am, I was so attracted to your vulnerability in the video and um, see, I just wanted to connect with you to see if and how I could help you very quickly after connecting with you, I recognized that you're not right for this 10 week program. You have done the work, right? Um, so then I was like, how about instead of, you know, being my client, can we just jump to being friends? And the rest is history. And truly all Danny and I talk all the time. We talk on Marco Polo. Uh, we text each other and we have become such good friends. And, uh, of course, he's, they're still attractive, but also we're more like sisters that, than anything else. And um, and I just love you. I'm so grateful that you are in my life and that I just so value our conversations. And I so value the friendship that we have created over the year plus. Well, shoot, this is already my favorite interview that I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. And I love... so. I, you know, listen, my TikTok, if you if you find me out there, it's not that hard. It's just my name, but or something variation there. And it's me singing, except for this like little fraction of me talking about conversion therapy, unconverting. And yeah, this this person who is. I think is associated with another film or something tags you. I don't know. We start chatting and I feel like it was like two weeks until the festival. And I was calling you well, Marco Poloing you because I was abroad every single day especially when i was on my runs and we would have these what like hour-long conversations about vulnerability do you remember that of course we still do it <laughs> i know it's just it's it's been amazing we've lived together if you think about it we've lived so much life both of us our careers have evolved we've evolved we've grown we've built a little community between the two of us mm. and yet to meet in person which i of course, Crazy. they're sweet. Like, I don't like that, but also mm -hmm. I love it because we, we still know each other so well. And yeah. we form this friendship. Vulnerability is the word. We form this friendship where truly we can, I feel as if we can tell each other anything. Um, yeah. And as, as, as queer men, I think it's not always easy to find that sense of community. I mean, I, I haven't always felt that way about people. Um, so I'm just glad that we have that for each other. Oh, I'm already getting emotional. A couple points I've already started to feel like the feels. Mm -hmm. And and that's because it's so true. I heard this this really tragic sentiment from a friend. I think I texted this to you and I love it. So I'll share it here as well. And and the parents aren't quite on board with his life, you know, with with who he is, his identity as a gay man. And he said, you know, I just 
I just don't feel comfortable sharing my full self with them because the moment that something that isn't perfect comes up, they're going to blame it to who I am. Mm. Say it's my day. I can certainly relate to that. So the more that we get these, these relationships like you and I share, where we can truly, I mean, I do, I do tell you everything. And I think I tell you everything. And I think I tell my, my best friend, Amy and Lisa, everything. Mm -hmm. That's about it. Yeah. Pretty great. It's that is a beautiful gift. I mean, that's what, that's what belonging is, right? It's, I always say this, but I'll say it again. It's, it's the feeling of being seen safe and celebrated, not in spite of who you are, but as, and because of who you are. And there's never been a moment in our friendship where either of us, and it takes courage to share those things. I think we've all, I think you and I have both stepped into our courage in order to have that sense of belonging with one another. And it's, and it's costly and wow, is it worth the investment when you can find someone that hears what you feel might bring you shame and say, thank you for sharing that with me. I feel like I know you better now and, and doesn't see it in the same way of shame that you might. I mean, shame hates to be seen, right? Amen. <laughs> I think that we've brought shame to the altar for lack of a better word. And it's helped us to love ourselves better through seeing and loving each other better. Can I just, um, for those that aren't watching the video, I just want oh. to say, I keep this next to me all the time. It says, shame-free gay life. Pride last year, I sent Danny a button um, with our shame-free gay life logo on it. I keep it right there. Good. I keep I'm it so glad. always up. Just, Yay. Just, yeah. Yay. There's so much, Danny, that we could talk about. I have to have you back to talk about conversion therapy, your experience there. Um, I'd love to talk to you about what you do in um, diversity and inclusion, um, especially the more the more I get into consulting in that in that arena. But this this your story of your stalker is uh, is so fascinating to me. And I want to be careful because even in the trailer, I mentioned, we even have a story of someone with a stalker. I want to make, I, I don't want it to sound like it's a, like a, like a made for TV, like lifetime movie. Like I don't want to cheapen your experience. And I know that we're laughing and we're giggling and we're, you know, we're, we're just being you and I, how we always are together. But, but I, but I want to take, I want to take a moment to breathe because this is actually really, we can, we can be lighthearted about it, but it's obviously a very serious thing. I mean, before our call, just preparing for our call, I just did a very tiny bit of research. I went to the Department of Justice website, and this is information from 2019, which is telling for a couple things. Thing number one, the fact that there isn't more information since then is mind-blowing to me. Um, but the information I saw was that three, in 2019, 3.4 million people, 16 and over, uh, were victims of having a stalker of, of a stalker only 29% of all reported of all victims reported it to the police. And this one gets me 67% of victims are afraid of being of, of having their lives ended because of this. So this is, this is a serious thing that Danny, quite frankly, I don't know a lot about. So I'm going to lean on you for this. I want to hear your story. And as I always say, you start from wherever you want, and I will rudely interrupt as we go along. How does that sound? Bring it on. I love it. And, and to those statistics, again, it's, you know, that's that's who gets the report made. That, that's the people that, that speak up are vulnerable. And there's so many people that live in the shadows that don't. So, you know, it, it's funny, kind of like, you know, I, I say, 
choose resilience over reaction in my work. And that's, that's mm. us, you know, um, taking a beat, taking a breath and, and trying not to lose ourselves to the panic, the amygdala hijack, but to, to pause and say, okay, right, wrong, or indifferent, good or bad. This is where I'm at today. Where do I go from here? And what can I tap into from my past to keep moving forward? So, you know, conversion therapy, stalking, all of these things, um, uh, coming into play here as, as we move ahead. But when I talk about it, another commonality here is, is that like conversion therapy, some of the room doesn't know this is a problem and much of the room has been through it or is going through it right now. The, the thing is, is that 2020, I want to say is when my stalker ended up going to prison, spoiler alert. Uh, and to this day, I still get emails from from very few interviews that I've done about people who are currently going through specifically cyber stalking. And so I want to, yeah. you know, there's there's stalking. That's where the people are you know, physically in the in your space. And then there's cyber stalking, which I've referred to as a ghost in your pocket, because oh. as, as much as we don't want to be our technology, the computers, the the phone that you're listening on right now can be used against you. And this is actually my third phone uh, and third phone number from my stalker because that's that's what it took. And he still got through to this, even to this day, sometimes I'll wow. get something where I'm, I'm, I'm just on edge, you know, whether I know it's him or not, you know, thinking about this. Um, so to back up and tell the story is, uh, it, I have to start and talk about my ex-husband because I was married for a while. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're not here to talk about conversion therapy, but it's part of my, my history and what, what was also part of my history as a result of, of that conversion therapy was being kicked out of the home at 17 and losing my access to education and housing stability. So, you know, I was out for a very short period of time. I was homeless, but then these two lovely gay men <laughs> that I met on gay.com how sketchy it turned out to be lovely and became kind of my, my, my parents I mean, community. Let's talk about it. They said, Hey, listen, there's this kid who got kicked out from conversion therapy in Washington state in 2005, 2004, excuse me, let's bring him into our home and give him a place to stay. Right. So, so I'm living with these people and I survived by luck and the grace of God for a while. And, and shortly in this period, I think I was 20 when I was doing a show, you know, we're both performers and I was a swing. And, um, just for people who don't know what swing is, can you tell us what that is? Oh yeah. That's the person who, um, gets thrown into any role if anyone gets sick. And, and then I just did a, an ensemble track. So I just play in the ensemble and the musical y'all was chess. Mm. Excited right now. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you though, y'all, the swing is the hardest worker in the show because they have to learn every single role and they're on stage the the least, right? Well, luckily I was on stage as the, the ensemble, and there's oh, no okay, way I was gonna be playing the leads here because I just don't have that range. Maybe mm -hmm. Anatoly, but girl. <laughs> but there was this cellist, and he comes in, and we all love a cellist, right? It's just sure. something about this deep resonant <laughs> instrument playing it so often. You're such a nerd. <laughs> uh, I love it. And also, I'm a bass baritone. Mm -hmm. So, so our, my voice, that cello, it's just good. So this nerdy tech bro comes in playing this luscious cello, and I fall in love. 
And also, I was given so much security, you know, and I think that's really important as well. And, and you know, I can, I can respond to this in two ways. I can feel shame or I can accept it for what it was at the time, which was I was a high school dropout in feeling the housing instability. And this was a kind of a savior complex. I was really attracted to that security and, and it worked for us and it worked for a couple of years. And we, we ended up getting married and it was a beautiful wedding. It was great. But um, in this journey, I met the GSBA, Greater Seattle Business Association, which I love. And they have the, you know what I just learned? I can't believe this. I chair this program. And this just shows, you know, that the people who are chairing the programs or leading the work aren't the experts. It's the people that do the work that are the experts, which I also teach about. And they said, Danny, this is the oldest LGBTQIA plus scholarship in the United States. So I learn uh, something new every day, Danny. You can't know everything. I I know, but that's kind of baseline. But anyways, to the story, the point is when I was a dropout, I reached out to this organization for a scholarship and they they supported me by funding my education um, all the way up through grad school. So wow. high school, undergrad, grad school, and, and just an amazing organization. And um, more so they became a family a community of support that saw me through so much. They are the reason mm. I was connected to Senator Leas and Senator, well, Peterson and I, Jamie Peterson, one of our senators, we sang in the men's course here in Seattle for a while, but we really connected through the GSBA. They got me my first speaking engagement ever, ever. Mm. And I mm. shared my story publicly for the first time with the GSBA. I mean, that's amazing. Wow. But Louise, the president at the time, Mark, uh, deputy director and all of these people became a family and i ended up joining their board i want to say something like eight years ago and now i chair the scholarship and education program on the executive board which is really cool and also speaks to the um the power of this this organization and the power of community but to go back 25 is when all of this was kind of coming to a head right 25 28 somewhere in between there i graduated i'm not good at the numbers but I have my masters. <laughs> you don't need to be good at numbers. You're just really pretty. You know what? I'm a psychologist. <laughs> I'm not a mathematician. Yes. Okay. I always say I'm a life coach that helps gay men free themselves from shame. I'm not a life coach of numbers. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I love it. I love it. So um, the, I bring this up, right? And I'm, I'm going on all these tangents. Forgive the ADHD. But... High school dropout, meet my husband, was really dependent on him. That was our dynamic. And imagine what that dynamic shifted to when this quiet, shame-filled gay man comes out healing themselves. By the way, of course, I'm non-binary. I finally found myself in this, in this long-term journey, but finds themselves not only with an education, but now with a career in, in a Fortune 500, now a Fortune 100, public speaking, and with a very um, different approach to life and very different expectations from life. And arguably, I changed into a completely different person. And that didn't work out for our marriage. Mm. And, and um, that, that's how it works. You know, we were together almost a decade. And um, I think, the, you know, it's funny, the writing was on the wall probably five years before we got divorced. But we just tried to make it work. And I think it, you know, to speak to some of your work was my Christian backing and shame 
that I, yeah. you know, I made a commitment with God. This was my, this is my husband. We're going to do this thing. Um, it's terrible. You know, it's not working for us, but I'm going to make it work. And then eventually it, it wasn't my choice anymore to make it work. And, and, and we moved on and unfortunately the stocking is directly tied to this. So my ex-husband, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to play the role of the divorcee, right? Like I've, I've moved on from a lot, but I am a, a non-binary homosexual male identifying human being. And I love drama. So I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to serve it. <laughs> I'm here for it. I know. Right. So my ex-husband, so I'm 30 y'all. I just turned 30. Not that that matters. I mean, no, no. Now I'm 36. I was going to say, how dare you? <laughs> I know. No, I'm 36. I'm not ashamed of that. But 30, I, I, um, I just turned 30 and my ex-husband just turns 40 and he's going through his stuff. I'm going through my stuff. And the dude leaves me for the much younger next door neighbor. See how I made that extra dramatic just for the sake of, you know, entertainment purposes. <laughs> but he does. He finds somebody that he's really clicking with that they have so much in common. And, and he's in a relationship that doesn't work. And, and really, this person is probably perfect for my ex-husband. They're now, they're now actually married. But at the time, it was very devastating, very disorienting. It was a change that really disrupted life. I had to quickly move out. So, so I did. Um, and pretty quickly, I start getting uh, calls and texts from, from the new man, from the new person directly there's no there's no hiding it you know it's it's kind of like one of those things where i would go to my ex and say you know with a screenshot like dude, dude why is this why he won right like i i lost in this he won and he's saying like we got a cat and he would take pictures of the cat they shared or pause pause, pause 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 you perceived yourself as losing let's just be very clear you perceived yourself as losing and they were not, they had a cat together. They were not married yet at this point at the story or were they? No, because I was still married to him. Got it. Right. Like it, we, we hadn't even filed for divorce yet. And then when you file in Washington King County, you got to win an entire year before it's finalized, but they just jumped right in and we're oh. doing the thing and whatever. Within like three months, I think they were living together. <clears throat> so, all of these things are going on. And yes, perceive myself as losing. Clearly I didn't lose. Um, but, but this was going on and, uh, you know, you have a choice in life when you, the, it's the curse of knowledge, right? That's what they call it. When you learn information, you, the curse of knowledge dictates that you either do something with that information or you don't. Mm. It's up to you. Now it's in your say you know, they, they say that knowledge is power and that's false. Knowledge is not power. Implemented knowledge is power. Knowledge mm. when you do nothing about it is torture. Mm. Torture. I'm trying to think of if I could put myself in the shoes of my ex who knew that I was getting these texts, which were, were not more than emotional harm. Right. So we, this isn't yet getting in, to stalking, though it is coming up to the line of stalking with some of the frequency. Um, but the neighbor did other things as well to other people, um, the, new, the new boy, and ended up getting kicked out of his, 
he was renting. My ex-husband and I owned our condo. So the renter, the new boy, the, the future husband who took my place, so to speak, ended up, I'm just going to speak it out. It's not right. This isn't, I, you know, I, I haven't shared this in an interview, but I think it's important to the story is he had this paranoia about me and the upstairs neighbor and he charged the upstairs neighbor and, and yelled at her and to the point that other people were, were coming out of their apartments and the police were called. And Wait, pause, pause, pause. I need, I need clarification. The person that yeah. you're talking about is not the other man, or is it the other man? It, the, the person that charged my upstairs neighbor was the other man. So in this, in, this, in, this, in this story right now, there's you, there's your ex, there's the other man. Mm-hmm. And you now there's not, an upstairs neighbor. And it? now there's an upstairs neighbor. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And you would do these things to a couple other people. But the, the point of all of this is, you know, this is long, 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 long story, semi-short, is they got, that, well, the person got kicked out of their apartment, had to leave, right? The, the person upstairs, the neighbor that, was, that experienced the charging, brought this person to court and was going to get a restraining order. And I got, I think, a protective order um, against this person. So they moved. So this is where it gets interesting. Because this is where my ex-husband, his new boyfriend, leave and find a new home. My ex-husband didn't need to leave. He owned the condo, but he chose to. That's where, that's where they went. So they move into a new house. I start getting more and more pings. But the pings on my cell phone aren't just from the ex. Or, I mean, not from the ex, from the boyfriend. But now I'm getting these robo-dialers. And this is not technically illegal though it should be and there's there's a lot of conversation in the sphere about this there are services that you can go out and i'm not going to name them because i don't want anyone to go out and abuse them but these websites where you can put in any given number and they will call you wish you a happy birthday set up a prank um whatever it might be and i would just get a slew of these calls in the middle of the night right and you're like oh well just turn off your phone and sure You turn it back on and you see you have, you know, 100, 300, 500 missed calls, texts, whatever. And you're just, you know, it's just a matter of that weighs on you. And I think, you know, it's it's funny that the transactional is to turn this off. But knowing that you were left for the neighbor and you're 30 and you just got your life together, you're working at your crushing life and you have a disruption that really tears things apart and then also you're you're getting pings by the person who's now with your ex, with your current husband soon to be ex-husband and in addition to that getting these ghost phantom dialers that that just weighs it's it's like blankets i always use this analogy of blankets each little stimulus adds a little bit of pressure and heat and they all layer on and they could be the smallest things in the world but if it's on a big pile it can compound and all these things are coming together that's important to share because now it is stalking and it is coming into place um, for that. And it's so just like, I just want to, I just want to pause in case y'all, this is wild. Cause I keep thinking about what you said originally, you know, your, your, per, your perception that he won, take mm-hmm. him, right? Like take my ex, have the best life. Let me move on. Let me heal. And he, the ex's new man just keeps pressing his thumb in the bruise of your pain over and over and over for what right 
Well, that's how it began, right? So it began with one person who kind of set the stage. So I believed wholeheartedly that all of these spin dialers yeah. and everything else, and, and some of them were appointment reminders that are used by like dentist, doctor, whatever, and uh, with different messaging. I just assumed that came from the same person. I later learned that there was another person involved. So I apologize to everybody. It does get confusing. Let me give you the rundown. There's my ex-husband. There's his boyfriend who texts me, right? And now there's this third party, the person they moved in with when the boyfriend got kicked out of the apartment and my ex and him moved in with this third person. Who I ended so, up knowing. So yeah. so your ex, his new mo- his new boy moved in with a third person. Yeah. Introducing a new a new character in the in the game of stalker chess, y'all. That's right. And you know, we don't need to bleep out his name. It's it's public information. It's been in the headlines. I'm, I won't use last names, but I'll use first names, which is Joel, um, just for sake of, of ease. Um, so they moved in with this guy named Joel. And here's the thing. I I I didn't know this up front, but Joel was a friend of mine for gosh, over a decade. He hmm. was my ex-husband's best man in our wedding. He went on a cruise with us while he was stalking us. He would end up going to prison for this. You know, I think this is really important too, is is we all will meet people in our lives that we have a gut feeling about. That we think to ourselves like, gosh, should I be this person's friend? My friends would say things and maybe Maybe other people listening to this have, have said this themselves. The worst thing in life is to not have friends and community. Therefore, I'm going to sacrifice my comfort to be kind to this person who's not always kind to me and give myself that, my friendship to them. And I love community. I love people. I, I bring people together in my life and work. But not everyone is deserving of your friendship and time. Mm. It's not safe. That yeah. is the gift of fear. That is a gift. And I think you should listen to your intuition because we all felt it, but we didn't do anything. So Joel was around for that show where I met my husband, my ex-husband. He was around for a wedding and he was around, you know, I did theater all over and, and he was the pianist to the accompanist for it. Right. So I knew Joel very well. We traveled, we were friends. But he was also the kind of person that when I got married to my ex-husband was so upset that we didn't invite him on our honeymoon. They didn't talk to us for an entire month and then was passive aggressive. Say that again. Say that slower in case people didn't hear you. <laughs> Joel, who was at our wedding in Hawaii, Maui, was beautiful, didn't talk to us for a month and then was passive aggressive to us because we didn't invite him on our honeymoon. That is sums him up as a person perfectly. He would do shit like this all the time. And you think at this point, like I had friends saying, why are you friends with this person? And again, I go back to that previous thing I stated. The worst thing in life is to not have community or friends. Mm. That's not true. Not everyone. It's not safe. And it's not everyone deserves your friendship and your time. We gave it to him, learned my lesson. So anyways, back to the story. They move in with this person. 
I came to find out about it when I'm in a show, ironically. Uh, I give Joel a piece of my mind, to say the least. Now, also, I, w- I just want to say, no one's innocent in war. <laughs> no one's innocent in divorce. Hmm. My protest behaviors in this divorce were ugly. And that's, you know what? I'm giving myself all the grace in the world because it was really tough. But I'm also going to own it, right? I didn't do everything well. And uh, I gave Joel a piece of my mind. I cut him off. That was it. And, um, And these calls keep coming. So this is... This is a nightly occurrence, y'all. I think that's important to remember that these things come in nightly. And at this point of the journey, I'm just kind of shrugging it off and saying it's going to end. And that's it. Well, there was one point where this all became physical outside of the digital realm, too. And I'm going to talk about that as well. I was doing First Date the Musical, which was workshopped here in Seattle before it went to Broadway. (laughs) And... um, for those that don't know that show, it's a it's a really good show, especially in a smaller space. Is it's all about a first date, and the people in the restaurant take on multiple characters. Um, and my character was the gay best friend. He's the you know asshole ex boyfriend. But but my point is, in this ninety minute production, you're on stage the entire time, mm-hmm. in a, a pretty intimate theater, and. For whatever reason, my ex husband thought it was a great idea to come with his new boyfriend and Joel, his household at the time, and sit in the front row of, of this theater. And, and when asked about why the F would you do this, he said, well, we want to come support this cute boy, Shane. And oh, my was, God. Why? Tone deaf, right? Am I right? Am I right? By the way, same theater company, Eric. I'm just saying, is the arm wrestle. Listen, is it tone deaf, or is this just an example of when you when you're you're feelings about yourself are so intolerable and you don't know what to do with them. So you purge them onto other people. Like, Ooh. is it tone deaf or was, was he in so much pain that he didn't know what to do about it? So he continued to project more pain onto you because for a moment in causing you pain, he was distracted about the intoler the intolerable belief that he is not enough and that he mm. is not worthy of love. Mm. Mm. I love that. Yes. Put it in a book, put it on the shelf. I'll buy it. That is so real. And that could be, right? It, it, it very well could be. But it is. It just is. And the people that, that um, enabled this environment, you know, I, I wasn't going to take the stage because my ex, my not yet ex-husband, my current husband, <laughs> we just started the divorce process, was sitting in the front row with the person who took my place and the person they moved in with to see another person in the show. Oh my God. And the theater company came in and at the time, this is y'all, you don't have to lower yourself. They kept saying things like take the high road Mm. Mm -mm. for two years of stalking. And and we're going to get into the the real nasty stuff. And I would still hear this. People would tell me to take the high road. Let me tell you, you don't have to take the high road. That's people being complicit. Well, pause. You do have you do have to take the high road. Take the high road for yourself. Mm, I love that reframe. Yeah, it, um, it's it, 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 you know, setting a boundary does not make you an asshole. Setting mm-hmm. a boundary 
gives you a space, a container to love yourself so that you can further love those around you, period. Love yourself. I want to highlight on that because at this time, I didn't love myself very much. Mm. It's mm. hard to love myself. I had just been divorced. I think that's a common thing people feel about in times of, of change such as this, where we lose, you know, in this way. It was a huge part of my identity. And I didn't. So hearing this, I just felt so shaken and vulnerable. And I'm angry about it now. I'm angry with myself because I should have stood my ground and said, no, no one in the world except for this company who's going to have to do some dirty work and be an upstander and not a bystander. That's what I, that's what this is. They're the only ones losing in the situation. Everyone else is going to have my back and be like, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I did the show. It was awesome. I didn't fuck it up. It was, it was a great show. I left. Um, and I was stopped that night pretty mercilessly. And this is around the time I start getting death threats. So now it's crossing the line. And also, 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 I told my ex-husband to F off. Hmm. And, you know. Fair. As you do. Yeah. So pause. For, for clarification, you didn't know it was Joel at the time, or did you? I didn't know it was Joel, but I did know it was coming from inside that house. <laughs> Not for once did I ever doubt that. Because, and it, it, it's tying into this, this one instance, every time in the future that there would be some kind of interaction with my ex-husband for our divorce or otherwise would be the trigger for stalking mm. every single time. And so like these death threats that would come in tied to the divorce. I start now. Um, so I called the police. It was a, a text message I got one day shortly thereafter. I'm still in Seattle. And it reads ready to die. And it's said by one of those auto text things, you know, that that's uh, pretty untraceable. People use the service to remind people of appointments and things. So it's somebody with access to that. And it says ready to die. <clears throat> so I call the police because I am very to your point about that statistic about people fearing for their life. I am fearing for my life. Somebody has the energy to stay up all night or at least arrange truly now probably thousands of interactions on my phone this household has come to see me in person and sat in the front row by the way they were moved to the back row but the new boy had to be physically moved by my ex-husband to the back row didn't want to do it i just think that's important so yes i'm fearing for my life when i get a death threat so i call the police the officer shows up and here's part of the problem not only was a police report not taken in fact, I can't find one police report that was filed in conjunction with my case for anything that I reported. And I reported a lot. Somebody went to prison with a felony, but, but it was never, there's nothing. I cannot find it. It's not there. Incident reports that don't become police reports. Sure. No police reports. And to quote Judge Judy, gosh, I wish I had my mug. It says no one judges me but Judy. <laughs> Judge Judy says, and I say this every time because I'm a nerd, if there's no police report, it didn't happen. Hmm. And those did you know? Did you know at the time, did you ask to file a police report and they didn't? Or did you not 
think about it at the time, which is a, which would be fair. No, I asked for that police report. Now, I didn't wow. probably ask for it the first time sure, because it was scary. But yes, as we went on and on and on, I absolutely asked for that police report and advocated for it. This ready to die text, though, to go back there, call the police. The officer shows up and, and says to me the dumbest thing I've ever heard, which is somebody's probably messing you, with you. And it's not really a death threat. It's more of a question. <laughs> I know. It's like, what do you, you know, and I, I like to see all perspectives here, right? Nobody comes to work and says, I'm going to be ineffective at my job. Well, okay. M many of us <laughs> come to work and say, I'm not going to be ineffective at my job. Right? We want to, we want to do something. I think people that come into this, I truly believe that that officer joined that profession to, to better his world. And, and better the world around him, right? I see the full person, and I think that's important because it's not a one-person problem. This is a systemic issue. This is a mm. bigger issue than one cop. And the, the problem is, which will come up later, is that we are not resourced to fight cyber crime. We are not resourced to fight stalking. And so we are extra not able and resourced to fight cyber stalking. I was going to say, like, you know, yeah. th this question of it's probably, you know, it's probably just a prank or it's by that, that, that dives into work that you do, Danny, that I do that dives into neurology and, 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 wow. and, you know, potential, you know, a, a therapist might be able to handle that question better. Police, police people are not equipped to handle. It sounds like cyber stalking. Well, they're not, they're, they're not equipped to handle it. Sure. They don't have the resources to handle it. They don't have, uh, I'll give you another example. So I got an email with a very similar death threat that came came to my house. Um, and also what started were sex ads. We gotta talk about that too. Um, Craigslist was a thing around there, you know, with the personal ads that was still going on. And my number, my information, my photo, my likeness was all blasted around, not just in Seattle, but around the entire country looking for some really horrible things, things that said, this is where I live. This is my number. Come infect me with HIV. I have a rape fantasy. Oh, pause. Pause. This is crazy. So mm -hmm. they took out, not took out, that makes you sound like you have to pay for it, but they put up, you know, Craigslist ads with like, was it your, was your photo included? Oh yeah. Photo yes. details, address saying that you want to be infected with HIV. Come mm -hmm. infect me with your, personal information on it with my personal information on it and um it it's interesting because then i get this email that's another death threat and i figure out how to pull an ip address off of an email and it was probably a vpn anyways but i did it and it showed that that it was coming from white center a neighborhood in seattle well guess who lives in white center mm. my ex-husband, mm -hmm. his boyfriend, and Joel. So I know that it's there. So I call in another officer. I call, I say, hey, look at this. Look at this email. I'm starting to keep receipts of these things. I have an Excel spreadsheet that links to screenshots of every single thing that I started keeping in printout form, which is something everyone should do if they're experiencing stalking, get it off of the computer, but keep a log. And I brought it up to this officer and his question was, what's an IP? <laughs> that is my point. You know, yes, maybe not resource to deal with it 
on a psycho psychology perspective, but also on a technical experience. They're not trained to fight the crimes of today. And and pause if you are listening and you and you say what's an IP or what's a VPN it's okay you don't have that's that, that's the point there's no shame here it's just the thought of you shouldn't have to know you shouldn't have to be a detective and a tech guru in order to prevent yourself from being murdered from a Craigslist ad I don't mean to laugh but yes 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 snaps I mean something clearly needs to change because I'm getting death threats. I'm getting spin dialers. I'm getting sex ads. And it's also on Scruff and Grinder. And I'm going to just give a shout out to Scruff. These, there's a lot that's happening in the world. Uh, Tinder, Hinge, um, a couple others have, you know, uh, privacy protection. You can run background checks on people. There's all sorts of great things. Check out the security features. Scruff was really on top of this. When I reported out that somebody was using my likeness, they couldn't do much about it but they were very engaged and they were very communicative. And I found that to be very, very um, uh, helpful and, and just peace, a peace of mind. At least you felt heard by someone. Exactly, thank you, yes. I felt heard because I wasn't being seen or heard by the cops, even though they were doing the, they were doing the best with what they had, right, and all of this. Now, I'm gonna skip ahead in the story. This goes on and on and on. And, and what eventually happened is that it, it really hijacked my life. Again, you know, it, it, what's really interesting, Eric, is you and I tell these stories, and this is, I, I love this, because I can, you know, look at you in the eye and, and we can have this moment where it's like none, none of the listeners exist. It's like, it's just you and me. We tell these stories about our lives. And so many times we share about conversion therapy or whatever, and they think, happy at happily ever after right and mm. and um that's not true and you know we, we i call it peaks and valleys sometimes i just the life continues and once again after finding my groove and i was feeling really successful and i was on that mountain and very quickly with the stocking i plummeted into a deep dark valley with this this and i i just that the reality is is that i didn't have the capacity to be my full self it was it was hijacked so i was laid off tied to performance sure but laid off you know um from my job here in seattle and i was just kind of over it at this point um by this point i was i was thinking like i need to get out of seattle i gotta move so I moved 60 miles to the south to a small town, got a job there, um, which actually ended up being a really good move for my career. Really, I had the best boss I've ever had. Shout out to Jeanette. Love her. She's my mentor. Um, and I changed my number. I bought a new computer, bought a new phone. And, and also, I think the other thing that's really interesting is I was currently advocating against conversion therapy while this was going on sharing my mm -hmm. testimony in the senate that's the other part about this two years of stalking was also the last two years of the battle to ban sexual orientation change efforts wow so i'm being actively stalked with death threats and sex ads my name is being you know drugged through the mud um i'm still holding my board position up here in seattle so i'm commuting i'm working a new job and on my lunch breaks i'm actually going over to the capitol which was 
you know, a couple blocks away to testify at our Senate and then going back to work. There was a lot. It was a lot. Hmm. And, and 2000, I want to say 2018, conversion therapy finally was banned. Uh, Senate Bill 5722, Senator Elias, woo -woo, thank you. And um, to be clear, y'all, the yeah. fight is not over. We're talking about one state. <laughs> right. Good work. I'm not. I'm not. Not invalidating your experience, but amazing work that you've done, mm -hmm. and also to be continued. You and I should have another conversation about conversion therapy for another podcast because I think that would be very valuable. We we have to. Twenty two still, states still have it legalized, and three uphold it in their highest laws and their highest courts. So it's mm -hmm. very hard to ban. Um, and, and conversion therapy still happens in Washington state. It's just happening privately and it's happening, happening out of, out of compliance. Um, and people are getting reported. It's still happening mm -hmm. and it's happening in Seattle, in Seattle, which is people need to know that, um, at this time though, you know, the HRC flew out, people flew out and I met, this is, I'm in USA today. This is, you know, all these things coming out we're, we're having these conversations. And that pissed off my stalker. Wow. Wow, 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 y'all. What started as a light conversation between a couple of friends very quickly took a deep, dark turn. And you were here for the ride. And y'all, that was just part one. You're going to have to come back next week to hear part two of Danny's story. It gets crazier. And the crazier the story gets the more and more resilient Danny becomes. I'm so proud to be able to call this person my friend. I, I'm, I'm just, it's not often that I'm speechless, but I'm speechless right now. Like I said, we split this up into two episodes because it's worthy of that. So come back next week for some more. Um, I hope you enjoyed part one of Danny's story and we will see you next week. All right, my friends, that's all we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Great Unbecoming. And if you did, please share this on your social media and tag me, Eric Feltus. That's Eric Feltus on Instagram and Facebook and Eric.Feltus on TikTok. And to make sure you don't miss another episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts and go ahead and give us a five-star review. Your ratings and reviews are really the fuel that keep us going and we're so grateful for your support. And of course, check out this episode and all episodes on our YouTube channel at Life Coaching by Feltus. And finally, don't forget to go to www.lifecoachingbyfeltus.com and sign up for our email list and stay up to date on everything that's coming up and going on in our shame-free community. I will see you next time. And until then, know that in this space, you are always seen, supported, and celebrated. Bye for now.